Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Good morning. Anybody enjoying the cooler weather? Yesterday was very refreshing. We, uh, we went on a little trip to, to Allerton just to enjoy, in, in between the rain, but um, just to enjoy the, the fresh, cool temperatures is like ref- so nice. And running outside has been like a refreshment of the humidity lifting. But um, if we haven't met yet, my name is Liz, and I'm uh, one of the lead pastors here at Life. Um, so we've been in this series maybe three weeks now called Encounter, where we're um, looking at these stories in the Gospels of, of Encounter. That, that's the name. Um, and we see kind of all throughout Scripture where God encounters his people. Um, in the Old Testament, where he encounters his people, all the way to the New Testament. But we're really looking at these Jesus encounters right now. Um, times and places where Jesus encounters his disciples. Um, the crowds, where the, the religious leaders are and the Pharisees are, the, the seekers and the sinners and What do those encounters look like, and what can we glean from these stories um, as we really take them in and and digest them? And encounter uh, also alludes to this um, element of surprise, kind of, where God, God, Jesus and God are meeting with his people, but there's some kind of like surprise to it, where it's not what the people that were experiencing that encounter really expected or anticipated. Um, So often Jesus meets with people in these kind of surprising ways, and that's kind of what makes them encounters. So this morning we are going to be looking at an encounter um, of Jesus and uh, the disciple Simon before he becomes a disciple. So this is in Luke 5, this encounter. And you can turn there in your Bibles, on your phones. I also have it up on the screen. Um, So I'm going to start reading in 5.1. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. And so he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let your nets to catch some fish. Let your net down to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as, they were, as were the others with him. And his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, 
don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you knew everything was going to change from that point forward? This is one of those moments for Simon where he is on the verge of his whole entire life shifting and changing from this encounter with Jesus. For me, one of those times was when my, my oldest daughter, Eleanor, was born. Um, my whole life uh, completely changed from this moment on. This is a picture from the hospital when she was first born. And I was forever changed by becoming a mom. I, the, the amount of like uh, feelings and love, and it was like a euphoric moment. Now, I've never taken drugs, but I can imagine what a high would be on drugs. This was like becoming a mom. When she was born and was placed in my arms, there is nothing that can compare to that moment. I was forever changed. I mean, immense love and joy and also some trepidation and fear and like, what are we doing? Completely came into my life. And um, I mean, I, she was all swaddled up like that. I put her in the crib and as a new mom, like some, many new moms do, I would just look at her and I would just, sometimes I would cry, sometimes I would just, I wouldn't know what to do. Like, how did I create such a beautiful little thing? And we even did that thing where, you know, when you finally put them to bed at night, I would still, like, look at pictures of her on my phone. Um, I was just enamored. I was so in love with this new baby. But I also Googled things on my phone, like, can I die of sleep deprivation? Because I thought, this is how I'm, gonna, this is how I'm going down. Like, I can't sleep. What am I going to do? This is how I die. I just can't fall asleep, right? So nothing really prepares you for the hardship and the joy of raising a child. And in some ways, I'm kind of glad that I was naive in knowing the whole journey, and I still am naive in knowing the whole journey that, that is out there for my three kids. Um, but this encounter of becoming a mom like has tethered my heart to my children forever, you know? My, my whole being is now like towards their well-being. You know, everything that's in me is for them. Now, if Simon, who had this encounter with Jesus, were, what, were to know all the things that were going to come ahead for him after he, he met Jesus for the first time, he would probably also have some, some reservations. Um, because Jesus eventually, he even changed, changes Simon's name to Peter, which means rock. And Peter was going to become a foundational person in the early church and in Jesus building his church. And Peter was an interesting character. He, was, he wasn't like the holiest of holiest men out there. You know, he was strong-willed and impulsive, um, often getting ahead of himself. He, he, he failed Jesus in multiple ways, 
Um, but Jesus continued to build him into the person that he had called him to be. And so he's this fascinating character, just a regular person with character flaws, right? And, um, and Jesus chooses him. So Simon is, you know, in, in the mundane of his regular life, in the fishing business, going out um, with his partners, catching fish. And he has this encounter with Jesus. And even as this encounter is unfolding, I can imagine that he had some kind of sense that something was shifting and something was, was changing, maybe as he even was overhearing Jesus teach the crowds, because um, he's over there on the shore teaching the crowds, and the crowd is growing larger and larger and kind of pushing against Jesus, and Jesus is running out of room to teach these crowds that have gathered on the shore. And I also imagine that they're probably all having trouble hearing. Like, they don't have a speaker system. You know, the people way in the back are having trouble hearing. People are pushing in and, and getting closer, and it's, it's getting to be a bit much. And so he sees these fishermen, and he calls to them and says, hey, let me borrow your boat, right? Simon, push me out a little bit into the shore. And that kind of created this natural amphitheater. So that now, like, Jesus isn't being trampled anymore by the crowds, and everyone can kind of hear him as he's out there on this boat. Um, and Simon, he did grow up as a Jew, and so he had been waiting for a Messiah. That is something that they longed for. And his brother Andrew, we actually know, had already met Jesus with John the Baptist in the wilderness. So he probably has been hearing that, oh, Jesus is here. He's hearing some witness, uh, you know, people witness to him about meeting Jesus. And then as, as they're wrapping up their fishing thing, he's listening to Jesus teach to the crowds on the shore. So there's some sense of taking in this whole experience um, for Simon. And as Jesus wraps up his teaching, he tells Simon, hey, go put your net into, into the water again. Now Jesus, you know, he's, he's not a fisherman. He's a teacher. He's a carpenter. This is morning, actually. And morning isn't really the time that uh, you, you, you um, fish. You know, they had just spent the whole evening when um, fish are supposed to bite and, and you're supposed to catch them. And now, like, you want me to put the net in again? You know, he's probably a little burnt out from all of his hard work. He doesn't want to do it again. Seems, seems weird. But he takes the risk, probably with some hesitation, and goes ahead and lets his net down again. And to his utter surprise, the, the net is, it, it's heavy. You know, what was coming in just shoop, right into the boat, it now has some weight to it. Wait, what is going on? And, and the boat is starting to sink a little bit and, and, and wobble because there's some heaviness to this net that all of a sudden um, is, is starting to fill up 
with fish. And so they call out to the other boat, hey, come, come quick, come help us over here. And so they, you know, they're bringing in this miraculous catch of fish and their nets are tearing. And all of a sudden, the power of God is present in this moment. The God that they have been worshiping and following their whole lives, who does miracles, is now working through this man that he just met, Jesus. And so Simon just, his brain is, is moving, right? He's starting to make some realizations of, of maybe who this person really is, that he actually might be in the presence of the divine. And it's a powerful moment for Simon because from scripture, we kind of see this pattern of like when people are in the presence of God, the holiness of God, they fall down. That, that's like a normal response to the, to the weightiness and heaviness of being in a, the presence of a holy God. And so, G, and so Simon falls at Jesus' feet, confessing his sin, his unworthiness to Jesus. And in, in uh, Ezekiel, the prophet, when he encountered the presence of God, he describes it um, like this. He says, All around him was a glowing halo, like a rainbow shining in the clouds on a rainy day. That is what the glory of the Lord looked like to me. And when I saw it, I fell face down on the ground, and I heard someone's voice speaking to me. So Simon falls to his knees in the middle of this, these fish in the boat. I don't know. Who knows? And he, and he says, Jesus, what is, he says, he asks him to leave, to get away from him, because he is a sinful man and unworthy to be in the presence of God. But Jesus, he says, don't be afraid, Simon. In a sense, he's like, your sin isn't a barrier to my presence because I have made it all right. And really, Simon's humbleness in that moment is a way forward. He had the right response to Jesus. Um, and Jesus, he invites him in to follow him, and he, and he gives him this moment of accepting him as as the teacher, the rabbi, the savior, and he says, will you, you know, follow me? I'm going to change your priorities. I'm, I'm going to change your vocation. You're going to go on this journey with me of, of no longer catching fish, but of catching people for the kingdom, of, of bringing people into the kingdom. Will you come with me? And Simon says yes. So Jesus, you know, he has come on earth to bring this new reality of God, the reality of the kingdom. He came to inaugurate the kingdom of God here on earth. And like the Jews, like Simon, um, he came not fulfilling what they expected, you know, the political revolution, the taking over, all those things. Instead, he came to bring a revelation of the heart that that would be a revolution of the heart, really, that everything in our hearts would be changed and made new, that forgiveness would be given to all, 
that all people would be accepted into the family of God, welcomed into the holy presence of God. That was available now. And it was going to be a risky journey of faith. It was going to take some radical rearranging, um, even in the, these lives of the fishermen. They're such ordinary, regular, character-flawed people. And Jesus chose them. And I, I would imagine that, you know, Simon, he's been hoping and anticipating the arrival of the Messiah his whole life. And, and when he finally meets him, it's like he's, he's been looking for him his whole life, but he's, he almost can't take it in because he realizes the holiness of the Messiah, of Jesus. And, he's, and Jesus is like, I know you've been looking for me your whole life, but I've also been looking for you. Will you follow me? And there's this new messianic time that Jesus is inviting the people into, into his life, really, not just a political revolution. And back in Isaiah, in the Old Testament, um, there's a prophecy about this new messianic time where God was going to move dramatically, even more than um, when he, he freed Egypt. And I mean, when he freed the, the Israelites from Egypt, when they were in slavery, he did amazing things then. And the Bible says, you know what? I'm going to do it again, even more miraculously. Isaiah 43, 19 says, For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Jesus is the embodiment of God doing this new thing. He is moving through Jesus on earth in ways that just are blowing people away. But will the people recognize it? Will they see this new move of God among them? Will they be able to see it? Pharisees had a really hard time seeing it. Simon, in this moment, this is a moment where he sees it. He recognizes this new move of God. Maybe not in its completeness or its fullness. He didn't know the whole journey ahead, but there was something in this moment that he recognized, that he said yes to. And God continues to work and move in our lives. And he is doing a new thing even in our present age, even today. You know, there's been a lot of shifting in our world, right? A lot of shifting in culture, shifting even in the church itself, you know? Um, and there's change and there's rearranging and God is doing something new. Can we recognize it? Will we recognize it? God's building something new in our individual lives, but he's also doing it in the, in the midst of us as a community and as a global community. You know, he is bringing new people to our church. He's creating a new gathering even right here as we build community. And he's giving us people in our lives that we can bring in to the kingdom and bring along on this journey. He is doing a new work in us and through us. Jesus also says later um, in chapter 5, he says, 
Um, and no one puts new, this is verse 37. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. Now, it's, it's a little puzzling what, he, what he's saying here, but he's, what, what Jesus, he's not a wine connoisseur in saying, you know, oh, the old is the best and the finest. Of course, you know, go for the aged wine. Um, and no one wants the new because, you know, I mean, that's like typical. If we know anything about wine, the old is best, right? We want the aged stuff. Um, but, he, you know, I mean, maybe he, he had a, a palate for wine. I don't know. Um, but to understand kind of the puzzle that Jesus is presenting here, we kind of have to understand culturally um, that wine was aged in skins then. And the skins had um, some uh, elasticity to them. They had a property of, of growing and expanding. And as the wine fermented, it would expand and, and grow with it um, until it got to that, that peak point of, of tasting and age and deliciousness. Um, and you couldn't put new wine into an old wineskin that had already used up its elasticity, really, because if you did that, it would burst. It couldn't stretch anymore. And so then you would lose the old wine that you had made and the new wine. And so you have to put new wine into new wineskins that have the ability to stretch and move and grow with the fermenting process. And, and then it ends with saying that those um, that like the old don't want to change, right? He's really saying like those that have been become accustomed to one thing is going to have a hard time getting used to something new. And isn't that true about us, right? We get used to our old ways. We get used to doing things a certain ways, way, and we have a hard time stretching and growing and moving into the new thing that God is doing. And, and Jesus is really talking about his existence on earth, like his kingdom invitation here on earth is this new way of life and worship. And the, the new covenant is now among them, and it requires new ways of, of living and following Jesus and worshiping. And you can't mix it with the old religious system. God is doing something new, and, and he's inviting you into his life. And will you say yes? That's what Jesus is really offering here. And I think that, that God is doing something new even in this new era that we're in, you know? That church has really been um, something that we've just kind of been accustomed to, right? Maybe it's an add-on to the good moral life or um, it's just routine, it's just going through the motions. Well, I think that's been stripped away, you know? If that was what you were doing like you just aren't going to church anymore because we've had to evaluate what role the church really plays in our life like is it really about us deepening our relationship with Jesus and growing in the presence of God or are we just doing it to do it 
And I think that in this, um, this new era of what God is doing, like we've really had to come face to face with our own spirituality. Um, like what place does it play, play in our life? What place does Jesus play in our life? Like will, will I answer his call? Will I say yes to what he's inviting me into in this new era? And I think that's what's happening to the, the church as a whole, really. And I think um, that Jesus is inviting it and has been inviting us into deeper intimacy with him. You know, like even as COVID started a year and a half ago, like I never felt a greater draw to just pull in closer to Jesus's heart. Either I was going to be tethered to Jesus's heart or I was just going to live in fear and the uncontrolled things going on in the world. And that's that continues to be the pathway forward. Like, I have to cultivate that, that inner place of worship with Jesus to, to navigate the anxious times, to navigate all the pressure, to navigate all the chaos and stress. Either I have the intimacy with Jesus or I don't, you know? I'm either putting in the time to have that intimacy or, you know, I can't, you can't depend on the church or a person or a leader to cultivate that for you. You have to do it yourself. And I think he's inviting us, like, you know, like, you can't just depend on the good life you're creating for yourself. Because the good life can be stripped away at any point. And the good life that you really seek is Jesus, the source of life. And I think he's drawing us in and has been into that intimacy. I also think that he is drawing us into deeper revelations of himself. I think that like Holy Spirit activity has increased and is on the move in our individual lives where there is um, greater revelations available for us when we, when we dig into the Holy Spirit and we say, I want to know you more and I want to know your heart you know, teach me, reveal it to me, show me. What are you doing? What are you saying? I think he's giving us dreams and visions and prophetic things and these encounters that maybe feel uncomfortable and crazy and things that we haven't experienced before, but I feel like the Holy Spirit is, is active more in our life when we push into that. This Saturday... We, we sometimes do this thing called donuts and devotions, which sometimes just goes, you know, negative and sometimes goes positive because I have three kids. And, you, you know, we try to do something fun and tie our devotional time to donuts and then they fight over which one has sprinkles. And, you, you know, I mean, you're just like, throw up your hands and we did the best we could and maybe we prayed and then we go on with our day. You know, that's just the way it goes, right? Um, but this last... Saturday, you know, it kind of went the same way, but we got through it, right? And, uh, and we were going over this scripture of, um, I don't, I can't even remember where it came, which, where it is, but, you know, pray to God and he will listen and he will reveal to you secret things. And my kids thought that was awesome. You know, Ellie was like, yeah, when do you pray? Oh, I pray after you guys pray and I, I go to bed and I'm in my bed. She's like, and God reveals secret things to me? Yeah, he does. He tells you what's on his heart. How awesome, you know? How awesome. And I think 
that God is also up to um, doing a new thing with us as ministers in the church. Like, he's empowering us to be the church all the time. Like, we're not gonna, we can't depend on a perfect church with perfect programs and all of its lovely, shiny things. We really have to push into being authentic followers of Jesus. Like, we're either gonna invite the kingdom into our life every day and be on this kingdom journey Monday through Friday through Saturday and coming back here to gather and worship, or we're doing our own thing, you know? But I, I think that he really is empowering the priesthood of all believers to say, look for what I'm doing. I'm going to pour in the revelations and the secret things that I'm doing, and I want you to do it. <laughs> I want you to do it. I want you to join me in what I'm doing in the world. And so the question is, will we have this elasticity, like that new wineskin? Will we be able to move and grow with what God is doing, push outside our comfort zones, push into what the Spirit is calling us to do, and say yes to Jesus, say yes to him rearranging our priorities and our lives and anything else he wants to do. Just give him our yes. And as a church... You know, we want to welcome God's presence. We want to just welcome and embrace God's presence so that we can say yes and be responsive to whatever he is doing. And and as we say yes, that becomes a catalyst to spiritual growth and renewal in our own lives and outside of here. It just ripple effects, right? The presence of God is, is flowing out of here into the lives of other people. So I want that uh, just to be our prayer, our, our, what we're seeking. So I have three questions for you to kind of mull over this week. Um, and the first one would, is, how is your spiritual, spirituality stretched out or worn out? How do you, what do you notice about yourself and your, going on in your own life that just feels, yeah, Maybe I am stretched out and worn out. And it's hard for me to make room for the new thing of God. Like, be honest about that with God. Like, just be honest. Notice that. And are you ready for God's new adventure? Just, just ask yourself that. And then, what do you think he is calling you to? You gotta, gotta ask him. You gotta dialogue about these things with him. And in community, and with us. But it's good to search your own heart um, in this process and through this last year and a half and as we continue to move into what God is doing in this time and in this place. So um, before worship, I'm going to close with a video, and this is a snippet of uh, our story this morning in Luke 5 from The Chosen. The Chosen is a, is a, a great kind of movie series about um, different stories from the New Testament. And if you haven't seen any of the episodes, I've seen 
uh, a handful of episodes. They're really good. I think you can just search for it. You can find it online for free. Um, but uh, I'm just going to play this story for you, and you can kind of feel it. Put that down for a catch. And then we'll worship. A little farther out. I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. brother and the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long. We believe, but my faith, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. 
follow me. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.